Beaker is my spirit Muppet. What's this one from? Jesus. <laughs> I like Beaker. I think he's pretty awesome. Poor guy gets a bad rap. He gets his ass kicked a lot. Uh, we're all married, so we know what that's like. Yeah, kind of. So but he's, that. he's getting like burned and shit by his the science guy, isn't he? Uh, sometimes he does, yeah. He gets all messed up by the science guy. The hell's the science guy's name again? Um, you got me. Guy. Science guy. You're welcome. Shit, now I'm going to Google that. Let's hope we don't crash when I do this. Don't no, do it. See, looks good. Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. That's it. Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> yep. There it is. <laughs> Situation normal. All, all fouled up. This is Snafu. Welcome to another episode of Snafu. Tonight with me we have a special guest, Puck. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Hey guys, uh, my name is Paul Huck. Uh, I have everybody call me Puck because it's just a nickname that I like to go by. I'm one of the co-organizers of the Renegade Open uh, game event here in Minnesota. Uh, we're in our fifth year uh, of having hosting events, and we're super excited to uh, offer Bolt Action as one of our uh, one of our events uh, for this year. Yeah, we were we were super excited when you reached out after. It sounded like you'd had some people lined up and then life got in the way and family stuff and totally understand how that worked out and that you reached out to us and yeah, that was absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. We we wanted to have you guys on sooner. Uh, we were just um, constricted by the amount of room that we had at, at the uh, Fantasy Flight Game Center. It just only has so much space that allows for a number of events. Uh, for example, last year... We had uh, seven events, and we had about 200 participants come to our event. And then this year, we're up to 14, so we've doubled the number of events, and we're looking at having close to the number of 600 uh, players from those events all weekend. Wow, yeah. that's a pretty significant jump. So then does the, um, um, has, the, has the space changed from Fantasy Flight to somewhere else? Yes, the, uh, we've moved to the Crown Plaza Minneapolis West Hotel in Plymouth, Minnesota. And part of the reason that we did that is it allowed us to be able to host multiple events and actually provide each event with their own room so you don't have to worry about any ambient noise from other game systems going on at the same time. It makes it both intimate yet large at the same time it's a very unique experience well intimate and large is how i roll so <laughs> i've seen you he like jeff does like to snuggle uh, and, and having shared a room with jeff i can uh definitely vouch for that statement okay this escalated quickly <laughs> dale may have been drinking tonight yeah no that was one thing about uh, i love fantasy flight games it's a cool cool facility and it's got a lot of amenities that make it really nice but 
at the same time, it is a very loud when it when it's full. It is super loud in there. I, yes. I do appreciate the. I, having walked through the new facility, I, I can say without a doubt, I really am a fan of the super tall ceilings. That's going to make a huge difference. I so, agree. I agree. The, um, the the Crown Plaza in Minneapolis West, you know, it's not only do we, I mean, let me start over. Uh, at the Fantasy Flight, you know, we were off, able to offer adult beverages and food and stuff like that. But now we have a hotel, so that means that you can get your own room and then wander down to play your events, you know, the next day. You don't have to worry about uh, overindulging and and driving and, you know, missing your events. Now you just can stumble down if you want. You know, there's restaurants, there's bars, uh, there's other places nearby to do that as well. It's It just offers a, a whole new uh, set, of, set of things that you're able to do that you couldn't do at the Fantasy Flight Game Center. Yeah, it, it sounds really good. So I guess the first question would be then, because we are on site with the hotel there, is there a, is there rooms are, are there a number of rooms set aside for for the participants? Um, is there a discounted rate that we can take advantage of? We, there is. Um, there is a group code that you can find on the website. Uh, just look for our hotels tab. The website is renegadeopen.com. The room rate is $95 a night, uh, which is... Uh, Pretty pretty darn good for a uh, Crown Plaza hotel. I used I used to work for Crown Plazas a couple of years ago, and I can I can tell you that's a really good rate. Awesome. So, yeah. um, what else um, what else do they have as far as amenities go um, that um, that will be there? And not just the hotel itself or the space itself, but what about um, in addition? What else can Renegade offer um, that we might be able to take advantage of? Well, this year we're hoping to have a vendor hall. Uh, so we'll have multiple vendors on site being able to sell their wares, which is new to the Renegade. We were not really able to do that um, at the place we are at last year. Um, we're also going to be offering a bits trading location on the mezzanine level uh, that should be open all day, and we're hoping to sell multiple game systems. So it's not just 40K, it's not just X-Wing or anything like that. You know, and Every game system is is uh, allowed to uh, go upstairs to the area and and you know sell what they can. Um, we're also we'll have a we will have a a bar available uh, just you know nearby, so you don't have to go very far if, if you wish to have a drink while you game. Uh, of course, there's the restaurant, there's a pool, there's a hot tub, and uh, people that stay at the hotel are also able to enjoy the uh, Plymouth Athletic Club that's connected to the hotel as well. So if you uh, feel the need to work out, then you uh, certainly can do that as well. Well, I mean, historically, gamers are a, a pretty health-conscious bunch, so I think we'll all appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> I, know a, I know a couple of people that lift weights now and again, so that's uh, what they want to do. I lift a glass to my face. That's about as much as, as I get in. <laughs> I was going to say... Well, PACA has its own feats of strength. We could probably make it happen. Uh, no. No. <laughs> next year. I, Maybe there's next a year. lot of liability that comes with that that I'd freak out about. Yeah, You'd freak that, out about. that's a really good thing. Yeah, I'd fair enough. tears. <laughs> fair enough. Cool. So tell us a little bit about the history. How long has uh, I think you said this has been going on for a number of years now. Is that right, Puck? Yeah, this is our fifth year. We started in 2013, 
Okay. Was it um, was it just was it just a 40k tournament at that time? Is that how it got started? Originally, we we planned a 40k GT, and I had an idea that to do one. I just thought it'd be really cool, but I had no idea how to go about doing so, and it kind of got put on the back burner. I was kind of like, hey, what if we had a GT here in Minnesota? And a lot of my friends were super excited by by that opportunity. Um, and then I was contacted by a couple other people who also wanted to run a GT, and we started planning about a year and a half out. So that was, this was 2011, 2012, and we started planning for our event. And it started out as 40K, and probably about uh, three weeks before we decided to host our event, which was at the Rockwoods Bar and Grill in Otsego, uh, you know, kind of a ways out, uh, we decided at X-Wing as a, as a secondary event. And so we got um, 76 players for 40K that year, and then we also got 11 players for X-Wing. Uh, so we got you know 80 some 80 some players our first year. That was that was pretty good, and we were super excited about that. But we knew that we had immediately had outgrown space, and we had to move. And we decided to go to the Fantasy Flight Game Center uh, because it offered us everything that we needed at that time. There was a hotel nearby for people to stay at. It offered a large uh, gaming space where you could have a large amount of people play games. Uh, it offered food, offered drinks. Uh, if you wanted to buy anything for your particular hobby, uh, you, you could. And um, it was a great, great venue. Um, so year, you know, after that we started. We added War Machine. Uh, we tried Drop Zone Commander, uh, but that kind of crashed and burned, so we didn't offer that again. Not a good commander. Not a, yeah, it, it, it didn't work out. I think we had like three <laughs> players and one well, of them. Really drop zone. You dropped drop zone? We dropped drop zone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, not, not enough draw, maybe. Wasn't enough draw, yeah. So after that, um, then we, that was, that was about two or three years. And in year four, that's when we decided to add some more stuff. So we added Infinity, we added uh, we already had War Machine. We added um, Armada. We had Malifo. Uh Basically, what we were trying to do is we wanted to uh, get as many of the various Twin City gaming clubs and organizations and Facebook groups uh, together in one spot so that we could, as a community, get together and uh, present a, a fantastic gaming experience. And, and that's where we are now. You know, with you know, 14 different events, every, each and every one of them is run by those various groups here in the Twin Cities. It's it's just an incredible experience to be able to get everybody together to do so. Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited to kind of see um, see how it goes this year. And so then the next question would be, um, how do you feel, or what do you feel are you know, the steps for next year and beyond. I mean, you've added, you know, you've doubled the number of tournaments available. It sounds like you might double or triple the number of attendees. It's a new space. So how do you see this moving forward, you know, into the coming years? Well, as as much as I want to grow fast, um, we need to keep, you know, basically need to grow slow to grow fast, if that makes any sense. Uh, this year we had looked at, like, for example, the Mystic Lake Casino. That was uh, uh, an event uh, location that we had scouted. Uh, it was very close to being out there. 
because uh, it offered, again, everything that we needed, large amount of space. You had a casino. You had food. You had beverages, entertainment. Um, it was a draw because, it, again, it's a casino. It would have been fantastic. But it's, you know, 20, 30 minutes outside the Twin Cities. Uh, it's That's kind of a ways away. So we decided in the end to go to a, a, a hotel and uh, go from there. So we're probably going to stay at this location, I would say, another two or three years. And then we'll look for uh, an area that we can make our current events bigger. Because, um, again, even though we're in a hotel, we're still kind of limited by space. Uh, Bolt Action, for example, you guys sold out in three days, which is great. Um, and you have 24 participants. Uh, you will n never be able to get above 24 because the room that you're currently in will only hold that amount, right? <laughs> We're going to just take over the 40K room next year. Is that okay? <laughs> sure. Totally. We'll just put 40K in the other room, and we'll just move the 100-plus the bolt-action guys into the big room. Well, the <laughs> other the other option is that um, you have more than one room that you use. Right, um, but that's taking that might be taken away from other events too. So it will exactly. And Not all the rooms move. are the same size. Yeah, we don't um, we don't want um, to split our tournament up into separate rooms. I've never really enjoyed that when it when it has to be done. So no, it's it's not my favorite thing either. But it, it ha sometimes it has to happen, and and I could see why it would have to happen in this one, just given the the layout of the hotel. There's a lot of medium sized rooms, but there's only a couple really big rooms. Exactly. So the, the, our next step then is to either find uh, a bigger hotel that offers more available space or we attempt to transition possibly to the Minneapolis Convention Center in downtown Minneapolis. That will definitely provide us with all the space we could need, but that could be a lot of money. So you know, that's, it's yeah. uh, space, it's money, and it's time. Okay. And if we go to a space like that, then I would want more of our one of our organizers to uh, run more three-day events instead right. of you know, like having one or two. We would want a complete gaming experience the whole weekend. Right. Right. Kind of, kind of more in line with like Adepticon would what the what exactly Adepticon is is certainly our current model. I mean, they okay. they started in a, in a smaller hotel as well. And they outgrew it, and they eventually had to go to the Schomburg uh, Convention Center, and they may even outgrow that someday. <laughs> They're probably getting closer and closer year after year. I, I will say the one thing I do like about what you guys have done versus what they're doing, not to try and compare you guys to Adepticon, because I think they're, they're not the same thing necessarily, is uh, that you're not charging like a daily fee. Like you don't have like a pass. And then right. you have to buy all your tournaments. It's just you've kind of wrapped that cost into some of the tournaments, which I think is actually very nice. It, it gives people, you know, you don't have to have that silly pass that doesn't really get you anything other than a swag bag with room doors in it. Well, we may eventually go to that model only because that's the best way in order to pay for our space. Uh, but the way that we currently are now is... You know, we the, the rooms that we offer to our tournament organizers, um, you know, the, the price that we have is very affordable. And so you guys can set what you want as long as you're able to cover the cost of the room. And after that, this, everything goes to price support. So, you know, the price support should be just ridiculous for a lot of our events. 
we're so far pretty excited about how much how much money we've had left over because yeah because like you said it was very reasonable for us to rent that room mm-hmm. more so than us being able to do it by ourselves which is really really ideal so yeah like we've got a lot of stuff and we haven't even actually touched any of the cash yet so it's gonna exactly. be exactly which reminds me i need to uh to get that to you asap yeah a little little business a little business on the on the, little business on the side <laughs> all right so um the now this alley. is yeah this is our um it's kind of our like first official foray into putting on like an organized tournament at least as a group and so um we you know with your experience in the past what um, what kind of things or what kind of advice can you offer maybe to us of things to look out for? Or if anybody's listening that is interested in maybe doing something similar to what you've done, what are the things that you feel like are really important to look out for? Or just in general tips and things that, that folks need to be thinking about if they want to do something similar in their own communities. So the first thing you need to figure out is um, a date. And you want to make sure that your date is not going to conflict hopefully with other events that may take end up taking away from what you want to do. We have chosen the weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh, for the most part, not many uh, events are going to be going on at the same time. Uh, we did find out there are at least two other events that are doing are on our date, but they're on the East Coast, and so they're not really conflicting, so there's that. Uh, the next thing that you want to figure out is... You need a staff, so you need a you need to if you want to tap in your friends, great. <coughs> um, but you need to make sure you have people that you can rely on, and you need to identify what kind of skill sets that they that they have. Um, for us, uh, David Armand is basically a um, he, he's 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 kind he's kind of like uh, he keeps us on task. Uh, so he's uh, our project manager. He's and a ball so buster. He's a ball buster, exactly. So he makes sure that he makes sure that stuff gets done on time, and he sets a goal and a course for us. Um, I'm the event coordinator, and so it's my job to find the events that we play in, but also find the space that we're going to game in, and find the hotel, and get 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 that side organized. Uh, and I can tell you, it's it's kind of like herding cats because. You know, you want to get people together for meetings every, you know, once a month just to kind of talk about their events. Of course, people have their own lives, uh, but they, you know, they may not think that it's as port as important as it should be. So there's a good chance that, you know, maybe their event's going to fail because they're not really working as hard as other other events. Uh, this is not a, a dig on anyone working for the Renegade. I'm just stating it. It's been my experience. That's what needs to happen. So you need you need to get those people going. So you need a good staff. Um, you need someone who can work on terrain. Uh, yeah, you can have everybody do it, but if you've got one person, it's really good. Great. Uh, you need to make contacts with uh, stores, uh, players, um, vendors. Uh, everybody everybody has has got their own things that they can do, and and. Uh, Everybody wants to help as well. After you've got your staff together, then you need to figure out a place where you're going to play because that will determine how many people you'll be able to invite. Uh, when we were at the uh, Rockwoods Bar and Grill, we knew we could go up to about 70-some players, and we were able to meet that goal. While we were at Fantasy Flight, we knew we could get up to about um, um, 90 or so, and we met that goal as well. 
this year we're at 96, and we're very confident we'll be able to meet that goal. And after we start looking at bigger uh, venues, we can start offering more players. You know, then we can go from there and make everything bigger. Uh, but that's that's really the key things. You need you need a good staff. Uh, you need people that know what they're doing. You need a space. You need a date. Um, and you need you need to put in the time. You need to put in the effort. And sometimes even you have to put in your own money. You know, maybe you have to buy those shirts uh, for your judges. Maybe uh, you need to sink in money to make sure that uh, there's prize support. Um, you know, and you may not get paid back. Maybe you will. It's uh, it's like a labor of, of love in the end, isn't it? It, re- it really is. This this is a, a second job for me, and I'm not paid for it. Sure. But I guess I am paid in smiles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> fair, fair enough. So it sounded like you almost had about 18 months lead in to your first time out. Do you feel like there's a certain amount of time, if you're just planning it out, out of the gates, that you really want to give yourself to um, to up your best opportunities to be successful? Or is this something that you can throw together in, say, six months? Um, I think if you want it to be super successful, you need to definitely plan um, a good way, a good ways away. If it's your first time, definitely at least a year. Uh, here's an example: um, the Slaughterhouse GT in North Dakota. You know, right now they're only um, a 40k event, and the guy who's planning it, he wanted to do it right away, like in four months. And I, I kind of help provide. Uh, advice for him, and I'm like, look, nobody knows who you are, nobody knows what you can offer. You, what you should do is you should run some um, one-day tournaments to kind of get your feet wet, so you know what you're doing, to see if this is something that you want to do, gets your name out there, and then you can start planning for bigger and better events. And that's basically what he did. He he ran a couple one-day tournaments. And once he knew what he was, he felt like he was doing, then he uh, moved on to a GT, which will be next weekend. So I'm looking forward to attending that. Well, that's awesome. Where's that one? That's uh, the Slaughterhouse GT in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Okay. There's a good that's chance. That's Minnesota, actually. Yeah. So. Actually, it, it actually it is out. in East Grand Forks in the Minnesota side. Okay. Uh, but it's just easier to say Grand Forks because the group that's, that's running it, uh, they are – Primarily North Dakota gamers. Solid, cool. Hopefully, I don't know if this this will probably not get edited in time to to actually talk about that one. And they probably don't need it because it's a GT, so they probably already have everyone they're going to have. Yep, there are about forty, fifty players right now. So solid, cool. Um. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know that I have any other questions. Does anyone else have any other questions about about Renegade itself? Not about. Well, I will. I will say this. So after um, now, you know, Puck talked about the organization and all that kind of stuff, and so we've had a number already, a number of walkthroughs of the facility, and I was able to attend one of those. Pat and I walked through the facility with Puck and one of the on-site coordinators and a few other folks from the other game systems. And that was on a Saturday. And then my wife and I went up there the next day on Sunday to try out the brunch. Um, they have actually this really nice space, um, and they have brunch on Sundays. And it was really good. 
so I'm actually seriously considering taking out a room as part of that block to stay on site because we're doing the Saturday bolt action tournament and then I've signed up for the Sunday saga tournament and so I think I'm going to stay overnight and then try to get the brunch early on Sunday so you know it's it's a nice it's a nice space brunch was good I'm actually kind of looking forward to it so I, I would I definitely can... recommend our out of folks our out of town folks to come in to stay there if they can and even some of the local guys if they want to you know actually make it a tournament weekend to take advantage of that if they can I can tell you from experience especially from running an event uh, if you can stay on site, uh, that allows you more time to sleep, definitely do it. Sleep is important. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, no we're idea. we're big fans of sleep here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it also allows us to stay later and maybe, you know, rub elbows with all of our, with, with all the people participating in our event. That's code word for Rick saying he wants to have a drink with you. That that is. I will I will gladly have a drink with anyone that shows up at our tournament. I would love hey, to have me a drink too. with you guys. Especially I'll if you're definitely buying. Have, um, I owe Sean <laughs> I owe Sean around. I owe Sean around as well. Yeah, it won't be a Skittles. I don't think it'll be a Skittles shot. Maybe it could be a Skittles shot. You never know. It's possible. Like, ah, that's I true, like, fair gosh. enough. Hint hint. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some rum or scotch or some we'll we'll see what happens that night. Yeah. I mean rum will be fine, but I really like scotch. Yeah, well, I think everyone likes scotch. It's just costs you, all of our <laughs> yeah. all of our proceeds go to a bottle of scotch. <laughs> One bottle, be like the best. <laughs> yeah, that probably ever. wouldn't be the best ever. No, yeah. So uh, you would kind of we we you and I had been kind of coordinating to try and find a time because you work kind of uh, different opposite shifts that all the rest of us work. So you're trying to find a time where you could set up a demo game because you wanted to kind of see what Bolt Action was all about and what we were, yeah, yeah. why we were so excited about this game. So I know we didn't play, but you ended up showing up on a Thursday night, and I think you actually played Jesse, correct? I did. He allowed me to play his, uh, I think I played his Japanese army. Oh, you no, played, played Miles' you, you played Miles's Japanese army. Miles' Japanese army, but I played Jesse against his Russians. Okay, so it was Japanese versus Russians. Yes. Right and uh, it was you know, my first game. I was actually surprised at how closely a lot of the mechanics seemed to be to Warhammer 40K. And yeah. that actually just made me more excited to, to play it. Um, now, I, felt, I felt supremely comfortable playing it. 40K is your primary game, is that right, Puck? Yes. Okay. All right. I think, I, was it, is it Reese, Rick Priestley and Alessio that are like the rules writers for bolt action. So yeah, yeah, they, and those guys were huge in 40k at one time. Okay, I've yeah, heard so it, I can see the similarities. I've heard bolt action is very akin to like third or fourth edition 40k. Yeah, is what I've what I've been heard. What I heard, I, obviously they're in eighth edition now, but it, like it was like a very old legacy version of 40k is essentially what it is. It's a, just a stripped down, easy version of what what 40k had become. I had never played in that particular edition, uh, but I, I can totally see where you're coming from for that. But yeah, so... uh, but anyway, but playing the game, um, the mechanic that I liked the best was being able to reach to a bag and you pull out a dice, and that's what side is going to activate. I love that mechanic. It was the best thing about the game, in my opinion. Well, I really I think... feel like that's like the defining elements what do you guys think no i totally agree i i've i had someone ask something on reddit actually about 
you know, comparing bolt action to another, to, well, I'll just say it, infinity. Like, you know, these games seem similar. And I'm like, well, bolt action by far has my favorite mechanic, which is the, the dice drawing. Like that dice mechanic is unique. And I think it's like, honestly, one of the best mechanics I've ever seen. Agreed. So it, it was a really cool idea. I'm, I'm shocked it was as simple as it was, but it's, it's super elegant. I mean, yeah, there, was, so... there, there was a few times where I would, I would go, then he would go, then I would go, and then he would go like three times in a row. What can you do, <laughs> right? Nothing. Yep. But next turn, that might happen to me as well. I, then I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going. And maybe, now I've run out of die, and now it's, now it's just him. It's, now there's nothing I can do to stop what he's doing. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm I'm curious, Puck. Now I've played a number of games. Uh, now that you've played the one, and I'm assuming you've thought a little bit about it, what do you feel? Because that is the mechanic that you've picked up on that you you found to be really enjoyable. How do you? What do you feel that brings to the game that would be different from where we came from and where you're at now? Which is I do all my stuff, and then my my opponent does his stuff. Why is it that you like that? mechanic in particular can you expound on that a little bit i feel that it offers more tactical flexibility to every game and every game is going to be different than in a game of 40k you know for me i'm either going first or i'm going second whereas in bolt action you know the same thing i may start first or i may start second but i still may go several times before you it really depends on I'll make the luck of the draw, but it's it's both lucky and tactical at the same time, which is a really unique experience. Yeah, yeah, it's with the new edition of 40k coming out. Um, I feel like you know, I mean, it uh, depending on your background and what you really enjoy visually and aesthetically and from a story standpoint. Um, I I am moderately tempted i've referred to 40k as as my um as my side check occasionally and so <laughs> i think that 40k you know would be could really benefit i mean there's no there's nothing saying you can't adjust any rules that you want to but that dice mechanic because i'm so in love with it um i'm really tempted with a new edition coming out to maybe take that that thing from bolt action i mean i'm still going to play bolt action i love bolt action and the the people we play with um but do you feel like 40k could really benefit from just that one mechanic itself actually um there are a few things you'd have to adjust but it's just it's just such a cool thing i think i agree i think uh i think it would make games a lot different you know uh there's some armies that are all salting and there's some armies that are all shooting and i'm i'm not sure if that's the same way in, in bolt action because I'm you know I've played one all of one game, um, but if you if you know that your opponent is going to be able to pull a die out of the hat and either shoot you or assault you before you finish wrecking that particular unit, I feel like the whole game is just going to change. Um, I would love to see that in 40k. Just because we're all, I'm all about, I'm all about tactics, and I'm all about choice. The uh, the renegade format for 40k, that that that's our primary mantra. You know, uh, when you choose a primary mission, uh, when you play an opponent, you know, you look at their army list, you look, and we look, and you look at his. You and you've got four tokens. You pick whatever mission you want to do. It's not going to be, yeah, you're going to do dawn of war, 
and you have to do this, now you're going to like, oh, I have to assassinate these units, or I have to kill the most kill points. Um, and now we're also offering, you know, you, you have the choice of one of two different deployment options. Uh, but I feel like uh, if I had the mechanic of choosing to die to see who goes first, I think that would def definitely change the game. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I think, in my opinion, and I haven't played a ton of different games, actually, but I really felt like this is the one mechanic that, um, and you alluded to it, actually, I think we were talking about this on a previous episode, or maybe it was just hanging around the tournament, about how, or maybe it was the game club, about how how I can't play the exact same mission against the exact same person, and we could have the exact same lists, but because of the dice bag mechanic, we could have completely different results based off of just how and when things are pulled and and the play and i think and like you said i think i agree with you that's that's probably my favorite part of this whole thing as far as bolt action goes so I, i'm really glad that you enjoyed your first game and i know your schedules are off and things like that but you know i'm kind of hoping that maybe you'll be able to come around a few more times and maybe well, get if, on board if, so. I ever, if i ever get a thursday off i definitely will uh, swing by and i would love to play another game we'll, we'll um, set could, the hook I, good I can, I can say that bolt action could end up being my side chick. So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And and for folks that don't know, actually, Puck, we've known Puck for quite a number of years. We actually came at the same place over at Dreamers. So um, it was kind of – and we've heard about Renegade, and we've seen it happen, and all the 40K guys that play along in the same space. So it's it's kind of good to be a part of that bigger part, the bigger thing that's going on behind the scenes. So we definitely um, – I, I personally appreciate the opportunity to kind of be a part of – of what you guys have, have been successful with over the past five years. So I'm all really about excited building about a community. It. Yeah, totally. I, and I, this is one of the things that I'm actually very excited about too. I don't know. I, I may have stepped away for a moment there, but I don't know if you mentioned about the toys for tots thing, because to me, that's like a, a, a drawing factor for me is that I, I love supporting charity. And I think this is a great way of doing it and getting gamers involved in that stuff. So I thought oh, that was I'm really glad cool you brought too. that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually didn't mention it. But um, for the past couple of years, we have uh, dedicated Toys for Tots as our charity. And uh, in the 40K side, at least, uh, we've been offering uh, a fully painted charity army. Um, two years ago, it was Necrons. Last year, it was Dark Angels. This year, we're going to do Death Guard from the new uh, 40K uh, Dark Imperium box set. In addition to that, we're also offering a um, a knight Profirian, which is a really uh, gorgeous, gigantic imperial knight. Um, and that's also going to be fully painted. Our uh, Age of Sigmar event, they're going to be offering the uh, uh, the I'm probably pronounced this wrong, but the uh, Sky Dwarves, the the Cahadrian Overlords. Uh, we're going to be offering a fully painted. Uh, army for that in Age of Sigmar. Um, we're going to be giving away an army for War Machine. You know, it's we're all trying to to do something for Toys for Tots, and and my goal this year is to get every event to do something for Toys for Tots. It doesn't have to be a painted army. Uh, it could just be we're going to offer a raffle for these various prizes, and all the money go towards you know one one big. Um, check basically for toys for tots i'm working on having a marine uh show up to accept it as well well that's awesome yeah it totally i totally love that it 
like I said, I'm a, I'm a sucker for charity and I think toys for tots is one of the better ones out there. I think, you know, nothing, there's lots of great charities out there, but I, for some reason getting toys to kids at that time of year is a big deal for me. So I agree. I think it, it's it, great. it just makes sense. You know, we're in November, toys for tots is active. I feel like we should be par- partnering with them and, and getting them involved as well. Uh, do you guys know what you might be doing uh, for toys for tots? Yeah, so I think we've we've talked to we've we've talked on the podcast in the in the past about it. Not that I would expect you to have listened to it. Um, so our plan is actually, and hopefully you're okay with us donating toys. Is that oh, yeah. is that a problem? That so is not a problem at all. Yeah. So no, our goal was to have. Uh, so basically, we're allowing all of our all of our uh, participants to bring toys, and basically that enters them in the raffle to get all of our uh, non plaque awards like they're not awards they're all of our all of our prize support essentially is going towards toys for tots outside of like the plaques and a couple other cool ideas we have but for the most part all of the you know warlord plastics and stuff like that will be given away as as charity uh prizes so that's our that's our goal is basically we're trying to drive the the toys for tots more than we are anything else i love it i love it yeah it's gonna be great yeah, and we have a lot of stuff. Pat just picked up a whole bunch of stuff uh, thanks to the source, and we have a we have a hefty pile of stuff already growing, so it's great. And yep. It's only going to get bigger. It's it's pretty awesome. Which is why I want to get you guys a bigger room so we can have more players. <laughs> well, let's let's hope let's hope everyone everyone wants to participate because I think it's a big deal. So I'm I'm happy to I'm happy that it's for charity because I think that makes a big that, that makes me feel better about everything. Have you uh, have you guys considered maybe doing something on Friday? <laughs> uh, we I think as a group we've decided like let's just try and nail one thing this year and then from there we'll see how far we can go with it. Um, and and again one of the things that we were was a deciding factor in how we did things this year is that we knew there was a lot of overlap between Saga and Bolt Action as far as player base in the Twin Cities, so we didn't want to try and you know butcher like take away from that one or lose players because they'd rather play saga that was kind of one of those balancing acts that uh eric eric the organizer for saga and i discussed especially since he's a bolt action player and he really wanted to play in the bolt action tournament he wanted to make sure that you know things were balanced so that he could do both which was which is nice that it worked out the way it did so oh, I, I totally agree i i, I love seeing the, the fact that you two guys are working together to ensure that both your events are a success, and which they were. I mean, you both you guys sold out the quickest ever in Renegade history. Uh, Saga did it in a week, and you guys set the bar high at three days. Oh, my effing God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think that says much about us as much as it might be just the demand of bolt action in the Twin Cities might be underserved. I, I, we've mentioned that before. I think... If we have enough time, you know, we could probably make it double the size. It's whether or not that, again, works for what we're doing this year. We'll see what happens next year. We can talk about it. We'll do a postmortem after we we finish this year and see what we can do. We're going to role play this shit, so it's going to be awesome. (laughs) It's going to be. Nobody dress up like Hitler, please. No, nothing like that. (laughs) I have a Blackberry I could wear. (laughs) Ooh la la. I'll be be Montgomery. Sure. All right. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good place to call it for tonight. Maybe, I don't know if we'll have you on later when it gets closer to the time and see what, what has evolved from here. We, I'm sure that as a group, we will be talking about it plenty. We're all working pretty furiously on terrain at this point. So 
hopefully we will uh, we will get all of it done in time. I have not well, not we hopefully will. we we will get we everything will. done in time. Yeah. It's going to happen. It'll be this awesome. is happening. This it is happening. It's kind of scary that it's happening, but it's great. It's it, it, it's exciting. Are you, uh, do our, are you do our guys best nervous? to represent well. Are you guys nervous since this is basically your, the first of major event you guys will be running? No, man, we're not no. nervous. I I would not say we're nervous. I am, you know, I'm supremely comfortable in the fact that we have Pat, who's not on on this on this portion of the podcast tonight. He is like our project manager, and he's keeping us on task. He's constantly yeah, he's definitely he, our ball bus. Constantly, yeah, he's yep. constantly asking questions. You know, the funny thing is, he's not on here, so you'll have to hear this when it actually gets edited. Uh, <laughs> and then we have Jeff, who's who's doing a great job of like making the story happen. And it, I think it's. And then we've got all of like we've got a great amount of price support already. If we didn't get any more price thanks support, we'd Pat. still be in a great. It, again, thanks to Pat, he's working. He's working double time, so. Yeah, everybody else is awesome, so I don't have to be, which is great. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I was gonna say I'm not being awesome right now either, but I'm working on I'm working on tables, and that's about all I got. So, our, but no, our, overall, uh, yeah, our all our all stars are being all starry, so they're not going yeah. Jeff. Hey, I mean, I guess I did order like twelve hundred dollars worth of uh, Sarasa Precision terrain. Yeah, that was pretty epic. I gotta say, <laughs> way to go! Not quite Locking as epic. Out there. <laughs> that, that, fall, that falls to my point of you have to put in money. Yeah, you, know, you have to put in your own money to make sure it events a success. Yeah, no, and that's part of it. Well, and in in, in some of this stuff, it's kind of nice because it, you know, the return on it is it. You know, we buy the terrain; the terrain doesn't go away. It's not going to just disappear when we're done with it, right? So it just it helps us grow for the next year, and yeah, so on. And lucky so forth. for us, we actually like playing bolt action ourselves too. Right? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that does help a lot. We're not just no, we're just not a tournament organizer. We're actually participants well, in play. So when uh, we started out for 40k, we hit upon the idea that we would do uh, pillar support stores, and how they supported us. In addition to providing us prize support, they would also allow us access to their tables and their terrain. Um, and so we were able to pick from the cream of the pop, all, cream of the crop, all over the Twin Cities, and that just allowed us to be able to focus on our event and focus on um, our missions and stuff like that. Um, while we slowly built up what we needed to do, you know, for years to come, I mean, we still kind of rely on them a little bit to provide us to fill in the gap, so to speak. But now we're at a point where we, you know, we start getting our own terrain and tables out. We don't have to necessarily um, do that to a store because, you know, that might actually, you know, on that particular weekend, they might not be able to have people come in and game because we've taken their best stuff. But well, uh, hopefully they're not gaming at the store that weekend. Hopefully they're at the tournament. But right. that's another story. But you know the point is now that we're building more terrain, that's terrain that can start being used at different stores, and you know you guys are getting a lot of terrain as well. Well, now you know Dreamers in St. Louis Park, you know they're going to have a, the best bolt action terrain ever. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we'll see how much of it we leave there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've found that any time I've ever left terrain, there, it gets pretty much abused. But yeah, we we again abused. like with infinity. Yeah, it gets used and abused pretty hardcore there. But uh, like with infinity, I I bring my terrain with me. We've been bringing our own terrain. We probably can set up six tables on any given night, and it they look gorgeous. It's just. One of we, the one of the we people run out of the there. hardwood to set the tables up on before we run out of terrain. We're pretty darn close at this point. Yeah, um, but there, I mean, our, do you think our Infinity event could possibly borrow some of your tables? 
Uh, yes. They've already con- they've already contacted me, and we already are giving them our infinity tables. Correct. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we're yeah. we're involved. Yeah. Yeah. There's I mean there's there's really a legacy of just beautiful tables as far as the Twin Cities goes, and we want to make sure that we do our part to uphold that tradition that we've seen yep. in years past. Yeah. So. Yeah. But we we will not be slouching as best we can. So. Right. Yeah. Right on. All right. I think we're going to take a short break and we'll come back and do the armies of Finland tonight. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks again, awesome. Puck, for everything. Thanks, yeah. Really thank you very much. Guys. Puck. I'm, I'm glad you had me on and I, I'd be happy to come back anytime and hopefully I'll be able to get some gaming in with you as well. That'd yeah. be awesome. That'd be awesome. Sounds great. All right. Well, you have All a good right, evening, Puck, and we will, we will be back in three to five minutes. like the music i have no idea what it is yet like normal uh this <laughs> is standard standard affair dale is probably a little more sober tonight than he was last night i'm S- a lot S-O-P, more sober right yeah S-O-P. that's how we yeah. roll things 
So it, this might seem a little disjointed, and it's because we had some technical snafus last night that didn't allow us to complete the episode. So we're starting again tonight and picking up in the second half. We're going to talk about the armies of the finish. We will finish the finish tonight. Yes. As long as Viva it doesn't take... La Finland. As long as it doesn't take three hours. When I'm involved, we always finish. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, we've got one... Surprised or otherwise. <laughs> it's usually a surprise when it's with Jeff. It's usually a surprise wetness, yes. Yes. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> well, so let's talk about a few Operation Snafu updates. Let's just go through a couple little things here, because I think we've, we've talked a lot about it. Um, so we're setting the army list date as October 28th, correct? Yep, that's what we have for the submittal for the lists, and then uh, we'll work it from there. If there's anything that we need to disjoint or adjust, it gives us time on our end to get those people who have signed up for multiple factions, if you know we have add drops in there, to, to kind of adjust to that. So yeah, hopefully yeah. they're prepared as well as us. It'll get them at least, it should hopefully get us at least a little bit closer to final counts and keeping people, you know, also reminding them, hey, by the way, there's this event in November that you're, you've signed up for. Um, yeah, on that note, I'm compiling a list of everyone's email addresses that you submitted through PayPal, um, and I will hopefully we will hopefully send some kind of communication out in the next, I'd say, in the next couple of weeks. I believe communique is the word we want to use there, right? Sure. I will send an email. That too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I think we're. I'm going to kind of forego the hobby updates because I think all of us are probably neck deep in terrain at this point. Correct Basically, me if I'm wrong. Yes. Nope, nope. Um, yeah. Four, three, four board, boards a piece and uh, lots of terrain to deal with. So that's what we're doing. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, dive head first into the armies of, armies of the Axis, colon, Finland. Yeah, they're they're found in the uh, the armies of Italy and the Axis power. In case anyone doesn't really know where to find them, and the reason why I wanted to actually touch on Finland before we did, you know, the named uh, the, Italy is named first in this. But uh, I've heard a lot of podcasts, you know, Down Order, uh, Ghost Army, and people holding tournaments, you know, worldwide that Finland's doing really well. They're finishing above German in a lot of cases. So I kind of wanted to bump that to the top of the list and kind of see what's so special about that that maybe not everyone knows about. So that's why I bumped it ahead of Italy. Yeah, they're definitely a tier above Italy as far as power goes. They got Their infantry is, I think, honestly, and we'll go through this, I think it's one of the most powerful sets of infantry roles that there is in the game. They, they're really good. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, but let's, let's tackle the Army Special Rules first. Who's got the book open? Jeff, I believe you have the book with you right now. I do, in fact, yes. Wonderful. So why don't you break down the, the Army Special Rules? I will be happy to. Um, again, <clears throat> standard disclaimer, forgive the pronunciations, because I have no idea how these are said, but I'm going to go with Sisu. Sisu. Sisu? Sisu. I looked Vidal Sisu. If I remember correctly, it is Sisu. That's okay. Sisu. right. The <clears throat> compound of bravado and bravery and we're awesomeness and all that jazz, so... When a Finnish infantry or artillery unit is reduced to 50% or less of its starting strength, the remaining models in that unit are automatically upgraded to a higher quality. For 
frack's sake. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> veterans go up this to great eleven. <laughs> Regulars, yeah, everybody bumps one. So they spinal tap the veterans. Yep. These guys go to eleven. These guys go to eleven, breaking the normal convention Jeez. of the rules. I'm not going to call them Skaven, but I'm calling them Skaven. Does it only affect their morale, or does it actually affect how they get wounded as well? Um, hang on. No, it's just higher quality. So, so they shoot better as well if they go from, from inexperienced or inexperienced to regular. I thought it said morale. Inexperienced troops become regular. Regulars become veterans. Well, veterans increase their morale to eleven. So if you have regular, they become veterans, which means they're wounded on fives. But if you're a veteran, that sounds like they don't get to. They're not wounded on six ups. No, a veteran, veteran never wounded on six ups. No, right, right. I understand. I'm just yeah. saying, is they well, right? Normal morale doesn't go to eleven either. Well, it it, it does say in in the in the wordage in the verbiage it says morale. It doesn't it doesn't specify anything else. Okay. Um, let me pull up the FAQ just to see if there's anything dropped in that. But I don't think so. I'm I'm the way Jeff read it. I'm reading it a little differently because it's here. I, I'm it's it's they become veteran. And veterans become have morale eleven. It's not there. It's an and, not to separate. Sure. It says they go to a higher quality. It doesn't say their morale pips by one. It says they go to a higher, okay. higher yeah. quality. Sure. Right. There's there's nothing above a veteran, but in order for veterans to gain usage of the special rule, um, all they could really do is bump the morale on those veterans to eleven, which makes sense because right. then you you know you want people to take veterans if they want to, but this means that. If they're not getting any benefit from this particular rule, so that's um, that's a nice in between. I like that. Well, if they if they do take regulars and you know who are wounded on fours, and then this special rule. I mean, granted, they've been reduced to fifty percent, which you know a lot of their infantry units are eight nine uh, eight nine man squads, and they're down to four guys. Now those guys become veteran for wounding purposes. That's that's a pretty huge. big impact. That's a yeah yes. huge yeah. impact. You can't you can't get rid of the units. It's pretty that makes it pretty difficult. They are really tough to get off the board. Yeah. Even you know, and most players that we've we've run across or I've run across do in fact run veteran to begin with, and then the morale goes to eleven. It's like okay, you got six pins. They should be ineffective. Nope, they still made their order test. Oh my god, you're kidding me. It's tough. Yeah. No, it's a it's a cool rule. I like it. It's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably a little frustrating to face just from a standpoint that all of a sudden those units, those those little man units that are left, they're pretty hard to kill, and there are a lot of scenarios where you're trying to kill whole units off the table. Well, it's no free unit, but you know, right? It's no, pretty it's pretty brutal. It's not a free unit, but it's still pretty good. Yep. <clears throat> all right. What's the next, next one? one? Trained huntsmen. As long as any Finnish infantry unit has an ambush order die next to it, it can re-roll morale checks. Also, when the unit opens fire from ambush, all models in the unit that are armed with a rifle, including snipers, get an additional plus one to hit. Ouch. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Again, another cool roll. The I... ability to move your sniper somewhere and then still allow him to use his sniper special roll. Yeah. And then plus one to hit, so they're hitting on twos. Is this That's the rule that is this the rule well, that allows them to move and then go into ambush? No, it doesn't. 
Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead one. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> what's the next spo- spoiler alert? <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's just let's just put the other one out there, and we'll talk about them together because they do make a lot of difference together. Well, the next one I got in the book on Mahdi is uh, <clears throat> when out flanking. Uh, the Finnish infantry ignores the minus one modifier to the order test coming on the table. I don't actually. I think that rule you're thinking of is a, is specific rule. It is actually. Snipers. Yeah, yeah, we'll touch on it. it's called Master the Hunt. There's a couple yeah. couple units that have that. Yeah. Sure we'll, we'll that that's buried them. inside for individual yep. units. Yep. Army yep. wide, outflanking, they ignore the minus one, which is pretty freaking awesome. Unless you're facing Brandenburgers. <laughs> It's still pretty awesome. Man. It's it, it it definitely helps make that outflank that much better, especially when we get into some of the other outflanking stuff that we'll we'll bring up in a minute. I think the the what makes the Finland army so special is that all of their special rules are strictly are like completely beneficial to every unit in the game. Yeah. Or or most of the units, the units you will be taking. It's very uh, synergetic. It's um, based off of what what I've learned about the Finnish participation in World War II. It really feels like these special rules. It it makes sense. Is that is that what you think, Jeff? Here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I think these rules are quite flavorful to the Finland and the Finnish participation in the war. Uh, they reflect stronger in a game like Bolt Action that's focused on such small engagements. But as a whole, yeah, I really think this captures Finland pretty well. Yeah, I like these. Um, and of course, we always talk about synergy, and these synergize reasonably well together. And then with the extra rules that we'll talk about at the, at the squad level, I think we'll find that there's a reason that they're pretty high tier as far as armies go. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the, all of that in like T minus now. So let's, uh, if there's anything else about Army Special Rules, I don't think there's anything else in there. That, that, they're pretty straightforward, but I think we'll be hitting on them again multiple times. Yeah, they, they've only got three Special Rules. Yeah. You know, poor Army. Yeah, they don't have one that turns <laughs> into five different ones or anything crazy like well, that. They, they don't have any, they don't have any Finland fear, so. No, they don't have any, they don't have, well, no, that's, that's, oh no, because they're captured. They're not actually, there's no Tiger fear. Anyway. We will uh, let's move into infantry then. So let's go into the HQ. As far as I can tell, as far as HQ goes, not anything super exciting there. Well, I think the one thing that I I noticed, and correct me if I missed something, but um, but they don't really have a lot of uh, inexperienced, or they don't have any inexperienced officers. They're all regular or better. Okay. Right. Is that what you're seeing? And. I presume you're on the easy army, easy army, right? Yep. I actually, amazingly, hadn't gotten into it yet. I'm so disappointed. I'm sorry. I don't see. Um, I only see regular and veterans. So. Yeah. So they, you know, they were another one of those people who was ready for the war, or eager for it, or something. I guess I don't know the actual historic behind when or why Finland decided it was time to do what they did, but. They, they, train troops. they didn't do anything. They they got attacked, so... Then they um, just apparently keep a state of readiness. No, well, because I've got the book, I'll throw it in. You're, you're forgetting about the Finnish Civil War. Oh, okay, I sure. am. <laughs> so, 
fin Finland had been fighting, well, itself for a while, and others. So that's why all the troops are regular or better. Okay. I know Russia was right there, and they're always kind of waiting for Russia to come over the border, so. Yeah. As I'm, as I'm looking through this, I actually don't see a single unit. They don't have any inexperienced squads. As yeah, far as, as far I can as tell. Head, headquarters, right? Uh, I'm looking actually through their infantry selection, and I'm not seeing they, any they as well. They may not. Yeah, that's that's also true. There are, I mean, that makes sense for an elite army, like like Jeff said, they've been prepared for war. They just had a they they had their civil war. So well, I think he said they were fighting war. A little different than just training. Sorry, I, I was taking a drink there. Yeah, right. No, they had a civil war too. Uh, January to May, 1918, finished civil war. Okay. Wikipedia, awesome. <laughs> we were using all the sources tonight. All yeah, even um, even their transports um, start at regular. So yeah, it's fairly it's a fairly interesting thing that I'm not I'm not seeing any. I'm nowhere in here am I finding anything that's allowed to be inexperienced. Which, hey, more power to you. I'm not going to take inexperienced. It does make that one rule a little weird if they say that inexperienced go to regular though. True, but <clears throat> got to cover all your bases. In yeah, just right. You, they might and just in case there's an expansion unit they put in there somewhere in one of those you know campaign books that come out or whatever. Right. Yep, that's a possibility. You never know. Forward thinking. Yep. Or forward thinking. Some kind of thinking. Thinking ahead. All right. So let's go. I, I don't. I don't see any other things in here. Uh, you did call out that they only have a forward observer, or they only have an artillery forward observer. They do not have an air observer, which makes sense because they didn't really have an air force. Not they, a huge one, anyway. Yeah. Not a yeah, not a big one. And their air force were usually directed more specifically to other missions, to where they couldn't ever allow them to be uh, um, augmenting or supporting any infantry lines. So yeah, they don't have an artillery observer. They have an artillery, but not an air observer available to them. Makes sense. Cool. All right, let's uh, let's bust out these these here infantry units then. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the bread and butter of the Finland army, I believe. I I think this is where they become. This is where all their power comes from, in my opinion. Let's just say we won't have to spend a whole lot of time on their armored selections. Well, we don't have to spend a lot of time on their infantry. You should, but... <clears throat> well, well, I think those are covered in the uh, in the German and the Russian episodes for the most part. But anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to them in a minute. So there's five selections in their infantry in the reinforced platoon selector. I'm assuming there aren't other ones in some of the other ones, but they have a very small subset of of, uh, of models that you get to pick from, which is not bad considering the quality of their troops. So the first one's the Winter War Rifle Squad. can be taken as regular or veteran what are their special abilities? They get... It's their equipment loadout that makes them special. Yeah. They get they Tough Fighter. Basic, but you can add Tough Fighter. You can add Skis. Yeah, you can add... Let's see here. Submachine... Uh, Some submachine guns. A submachine gun, a couple. You can get an LMG. Yep. Uh, you can get Molotov Cocktails, which is essentially anti-tank grenades. Right. Yep. Uh, who's taking those? But... Right. It's it's nice that they can that they can uh, you know take tough fighter without having you know without having to do the SMGs. Yeah, 
that kind of does make up for it. There's not a, there's not very many bolt action wise that you know you can pick tough fighter without taking the SMG or just getting tough fighter as part of the unit selection to begin with. Right, so, and I don't think they're they're usually veteran too. If correct me if I'm wrong. The SMGs are whatever. But no, the it, tough fighter in general. Yeah, like commandos and stuff like that that, that get times, it as yeah. a base. A lot of times they are veterans, yes. Not yeah. always, but a lot. Not times. always, but mm-hmm. for the, I would say the majority. Not, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a standard squad, but it does have a nice loadout. Right. Maximum of nine. Yeah, nine small, small units. I don't know. I typically don't run more than nine or ten guys in a unit anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, not really making me flinch. It, well, it's not. There's that. There's that uh, full strength rule that they won't get. They will never get. Yeah, they will never get that. But you know what? When they're when they're down to four guys, all of a sudden they're going to be you know, leadership ten or eleven, depending what you started as anyway. So right. If you're going to take that morale check, you just instantly upgraded your. You're already upgraded at that point. On the downside, you've got four bros left, but you know. Tougher to move. Bros are going to stick around. Yes, they are. Yep. And, you know, in most games where it's, you know, a lot of times it's about removing units or order dice, that's the really crux of it right yeah. there, is that you just can't get that the last bit out. Right. Not like, quite fanatic, but, you know. It's as close as you're going to get. Uh, yes. Yep. So the next one, I'm not sure what, what these guys played a role in. It's the Continuation War Rifle Squad. So I don't know exactly know how they fit historically. <laughs> you're killing me here. <clears throat> <laughs> the Winter War is your initial engagement with the Ru- with Russia, right? Yep. All right, so Russia invades Finland. They fight. They come to an agreement. Finland cedes uh, a portion of its territory to Russia, and they kind of they call it quits there. Not long after that, and because the Allies didn't really come to help Finland, Finland aligns itself with Germany. Okay. And so when the fighting picks back up after... Uh, Barbosa, is it? Is that is that right, Rick? Is that Barbarossa? Yes. Barbarossa. <laughs> I'm, I'm not uh, as drunk tonight. Continuation war is that's what they call the continuation war. They literally continued the war. war with Russia. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought um, I thought that was an extension when, as part of Barbarossa, um, didn't Germany push north into Finland a little bit to get access to access to the to the sea? And then that's kind of when Finland, they just they just finished up with Russia, so they kind of were like, okay. Um, and like you said, the Allies didn't come in to, to stop that from happening, which is where which is where Finland, you know, started up with the Axis. I thought, is that it or no? No. <laughs> well, so you're saying is that had the Allies actually come to aid Finland, they may not have sided with the Germans. Correct. Right. Wonder when the book comes out for that one. <laughs> after Sea Lion is done, yeah, right? Right after uh, England and France actually come to the aid of Poland, and the and the war doesn't spread. But you know, right? Sure. <clears throat> well, I, I, game mechanic wise, the one difference I really see here is that this unit gets the uh, Panzerfaust, two of them. Yep. Yes. Which makes sense. I'm trying to. So and it's it's still you know 41. That's still pretty early. As far as uh, unit selectors and getting that type of anti-tank weaponry. Yes. Yeah, but it's not, I mean, because what, I mean, Panzerfaust are pretty common in 43 and on. So if they're trying to lump that whole unit in between 41 and 44. Okay, yeah, well, 41 is when they start with the 
the continuation war. So right, no, I, but this they is gotta, forty-one to forty-four is what these guys are representing. So right, okay. So they have to represent the later, maybe just because that. Otherwise, you have to have two selectors, and that'd be a pain in the rear. If you want to play fluffy and you're playing a forty-one list, don't take the Panzer Faust. Yes. If you're up against the rivet counters in the world, or better yet, just play a forty-four list because the Panzer Fausts are good. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah. to have. There, there's certainly uh yeah, yeah. Well, and the other the other difference between this unit and the last one is that you can have an additional soldier with an SMG. So you can have two SMGs, an LMG, two Panzerfausts, skis, and then tough fighter. Correct. Still a nine man squad, but Yep. So this is this is the later war option essentially. I'm assuming yes. they're they're have different uniforms too, so alright. Well you're assuming that they have models for all these things. Well, I have... you know, the the models you can you know, you can paint however you need to, but right. you know so uh, yeah, they do actually have a relatively limited model selection for these. I know back a couple years ago when they first started launching these, they had a big Kickstarter for all the models of Finland that when they came out, a lot of people were really disappointed the amount of selection they actually had in them, and they haven't really expanded on that a whole lot. But I think now uh, Warlord's actually making effort to get more of these troops out, especially since you know finding the success that's going on tournament-wise worldwide, so... Hopefully there's more coming out based on what I've seen. They are expanding them quite a bit. Yeah. They're, well, and if not, there are a lot of World War II uh, miniature manufacturers out there. Yes. You what? can find models. Yeah. It's a crazy world we live in where... Madness. You know, they've been, models? Are you kidding They've been me? Making, making World War II models for since I, before I was born. Since just after World War II, probably. Uh, pretty close, probably. Maybe even during. Who knows? I wasn't there for it. It definitely wasn't either. So there's, so that, I think that's the end of that one too. So uh, continuation war riflemen are kind of like the first ones, but just yeah, right. a little better. Basically, you can add two Panzerfausts and an extra SMG. Yep. 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 And paint them differently if you want to. All right, and I'm going to butcher this one. It's Jakari, Jakari, something. Jakari. 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 Like like Jager. Yeah, no. the J's are slow or uh, yes. softer. Yeah. Yakari, then. There Yakari. you go. That sounds good enough. All I'm right. sure someone will correct us. That Sorry, we're butchering Please do. that. Sorry, yeah. Finland. No, we do like... We, I like knowing how to pronounce these things. Not that I'll get them right, but I'll try. That one I didn't have the time to look up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still not correct to pronounce that Sisu correctly anyway, so... <laughs> it doesn't matter if you look it up. You can still for, say for it wrong. For Christ's sake, no I could, we could have mispronounced Train Huntsman, so... Uh, if you read it wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I'm saying we could. So this unit is... This one goes to eleven. This is another spinal tap unit. You can uh, get... these are only vets too. These yeah, are, these guys are good. Yeah, these guys are beasts. They're not sick good. We have that coming up, but these guys are really good. <laughs> these guys are pretty good in general. So they're yeah. So they're you can get to an eleven man squad veteran only. Uh, you can have an SMG. You can have all of uh, them can be SMGs. Oh, they all can be SMGs. That's right. Okay. You can have an SMG. You can have Panzerfausts. You can have two Panzerfausts, LMGs. Yep, and you Tough Fighter. Can have bikes if you Bike? want bikes. Yes, they can have Tough Fighter. Yeah, and they get Tough Fighter, or they can have Tough Fighter for a point. So, again, these guys are just you get more of them. Very similar to Continuation War, actually. They don't have a date. Were they were they in the whole war? 
Jeff? Sorry, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, actually the, yeah, these guys were kind of formed in World War One. Are they so kind of like their commandos of Finland, sort of, so to speak? Uh, elite light infantry. Okay, so not quite, not quite commando training level, not special training, but just no, no, not commando, not demolitions, things like that. To the best very of my experienced. knowledge, but elite light infantry, yes. So, not guys you'd want to screw around with, right? So yeah, we're 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 breezing right through these because they're all very similar, but they are all good. Like I'm. We haven't hit one that's not a good selection yet. Well, and, you know, they've just got just subtle differences between them. You know, this one's only a vet option, and now you can get to that You can get that 10, 11-man squad, you know, to get that full strength, that 11-man squad, and the whole unit can have SMGs, which I think we covered in Russian, the Russian, Russian armies of Russia, which is just devastating. So right. pretty nice. Yeah. These uh, guys were... Um trained by the Germans in World War One. it turns out. Which I think is very cool. Yeah. Alright, so moving to the next one. So the first three are very similar. I think the, the last two that we're going to cover here are the more uh, mispronounced ones we'll have tonight. Sissy? <laughs> That's how I'm pronouncing it. I'm going to call them sissies because I can't because they're, ex- they're exactly not that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they're exact opposite of that. In fact, I don't think they even care that I call them sissies. They probably would still. They're probably like whatever. Sisui, sisui or something like that. Sure. I don't know. I, I, I'm just guessing. I'm not even going to try. I'm just calling them sissies. We, we could just do that thing where we just spell them instead of trying to pronounce. Yeah, them. no, it's not a B A R. So these guys are where things start getting interesting for me. Like these, so they're kind of the same again. Only veteran nine man veteran squad. Uh, they can all have SMGs. They can have an LMG. They can have anti-tank. They can have skis. They can all have Tough Fighter. But what makes them different is that they have Master of the Hunt. So Master of the Hunt, this is the first time we're coming across this rule. There's a, I think there's one other unit that has this. So yeah. if they move on an advance and do not shoot, they can turn their dice to an ambush. This is the only army that gets this rule as far as I know or something similar to this where they can actually move a unit and then go into ambush. And and then they can, of course, stack their army special rule coming out of ambush, get that additional plus one to hit. Right. So why would you never, why would you ever shoot normally when you could just throw them into ambush on an advance and then shoot again like normal? Like... Because you can only ambush other units when they're running or advancing. Fair enough. There are, there are, only, there are trigger mechanisms for ambush. You can't necessarily pick your target, and you have to hope the unit you actually want to target does, in fact, move or advance. Well, you always have, and you always have the option of trying to trigger it at the end of the turn too. On a four up, yes. Fifty-fifty shot that you're going to trigger your ambush. But still, a really solid rule. I like that with, rule with a lot. With a plus one to hit. Pfft, yeah. Yeah. All the time. Disgusting. Want it badly? Don't get it. It's a little sad that they don't have the ability or the access to Panzerfausts because that would make it really good. <laughs> well, you know, they're only kind of broken instead of very broken. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which nope. is the next one that we'll get to in a second. Yeah, I don't know if there's much else to talk about. I'm like, what are who are these guys? They're a recon squad, so I'm assuming they're... Do you, do you want to take a crack at the pronunciation? <laughs> the, sissy, the sissy recon squad? Oh, sorry. I thought you were jumping to the next one. Sorry. 
Yeah, they're both recon no, squads. No, no, no. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the next one's a recon squad too. Yeah. The long distance recon squad. So oh, let's yeah, go yeah. ahead. Uh, all right. Um, let's move. Yeah. The um this uh the sissy recon squad, you are paying um just a point for the master of the hunt rule. So they're one point more expensive than traditional. Oh, gotcha. Sure. Fourteen yeah. instead of thirteen. Yeah, they are fourteen That's... points per. So yep. I'll for pay veterans. Yep. I'll pay one point for being able to advance right. an ambush with the plus one. Yeah, I think it's beautiful, but it is. It's worth mentioning that you're not actually getting that master of the hunt for free. So, no, you're right. Reserve that kind of free stuff for Gurkhas, <laughs> or or half the other armies. Just the half you don't play. Just the ones I don't play. Uh, the Bukaki. I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> Bukaki? Is that what you're saying? That's not even close. I know it's not. <laughs> Wrong letter, man. The Cacopartio? The that sounds too Italian or something. I, Sorry, guys, I'm Dale, not finished. Dale's going to have to check that pronunciation for us there. Cacopartio? Right, I'll get back to you on that. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I figured. Let's just call them the Long Distance Recon Squad. Yeah, sure. All right, we're calling these the... LDRS. These are the badasses is what these are. Yeah, well, these guys are disgusting. Badass. These guys, wow. those, those you thought those last guys might have been good. These guys blow them out of the water. And in Eric, my mind, Eric points them out on the table, and I just have to just go shake my head and like, oh crap! Now you got to deal with them. Yeah. Yep. I only shoot these guys with medium artillery or above. Because <laughs> there's no point <laughs> anything else. Yeah. Yep. Quite literally. All right. So it's another nine man veteran squad. Uh, they get. They come with submachine guns and anti-tank grenades. Automatically come with them. So they don't they actually don't have rifles, but you can buy rifles for one point a model. So that's the, the other thing. And then they have skis for one point a model. Otherwise, that is all their rules, except they are fanatic. They obviously are tank hunters. And they're they medic. Are, they're medics. And they have deep strike mission. Each one of them counts as a medic. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Now, now, adding additional soldiers to this list is like 23 points each. So they are heavy costed. They're pretty I expensive. Think, I think they are the most most costed individual infantry in the game per well, man when you, for the additional 23. Now, granted, that's with submachine guns. So you're talking to three points. You're talking 20 points for them stock. Right. Ugh. Well, how much is medic worth? I mean, I don't know what medic is actually worth, but well, a medic is fifteen medic points. Is, yeah, twenty three. I think at regular. Okay. Well, these That'd are veterans, so let's so, make. Sh- let's see. So, so thirty points. Thirty two. Yeah, thirty points, points for thirty points for a veteran. So you're you're getting a three a thirty man or a thirty point medic that can't die until the unit's gone, which is incredible. Like that's a super super unique rule. I like it a lot, but we haven't touched the one that makes them so good and what makes that 23 points very reasonable. Tank Hunter, right? Yeah, that's the one. That one's super good <laughs> and super exciting. It's the Deep Strike mission. Deep Strike. Yeah, Deep Strike. Yeah. This is like dropping drop pods in another game. Uh, when they outflank, which, mind you, they don't take the minus one because that's Correct. how cool they are. Because that's the army. None of the army will take that. Why would they? Right, so you can, as any other outflanking unit, you have to say right or left edge, or right or left table edge. But, however, but there's a big button there. Wait, there's more. Yeah, 
they are allowed to come in from the back end of the table. At any point along the enemy's table edge, you can write that down instead of left or right. Gross. It's so good. Do you have I, to write down the, the do you have to write down the edge or is it left or right or that? Uh, meaning they could meaning they could put left or right and then when it comes down to it they can just take the long table edge instead. I, don't, I would I'm, have to read the actual rules in the book, but as I'm reading it, it says you write down you can you determine right or left or any point along the it's it doesn't it doesn't change the way that outflank works. But so I think you still have to write down the enemy's table edge if you're going to use that one instead of right or left. Well, gee, all six feet of it, man. I don't yeah, know. I know. It's like you, you get your you get the best of all the worlds, right? You can basically be on the left flank or the right flank, or you can be right in the middle of the board. I I don't know that it. I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to look at how the actual wording of the rule is, but I believe but that you I, have I to would, write it. I would, I would agree with your consensus there that they have. You know, right, left, or any point along the table's edge. You have to determine those beforehand. Right. Yeah. Still. No, I don't think you do have to determine your opponent's table edge. It's left or right, as per the outflanking rule. And then when they come in, you either come on the left side or the right side. But in addition to what you designated, the back table edge, your opponent's table edge becomes a valid deployment point in addition to whichever side you had written down as per outflanking. You don't write down opponent's table edge. Okay, yep, I, I agree with Dale. Reading the rest of the entry here, it <laughs> says, for example, if the uh, long-distance ra- long recon squad, I'm not going to try and pronounce that name, uh, decided to outflank left, it could enter from any point along the left table edge, regardless uh, of the yep. turn it becomes available, or any point along the enemy's table edge. So they get that they get that table edge for free. Even sure, better. why not? Sure. Hey, twenty-three <laughs> points a model. Go ahead, have it. Yeah, no, no problem there. Just hope I don't have to play against it too often. There's not more than one squad of them. Yeah, I could see taking more than one squad of these. I know they're expensive, but that that is okay with me. Oh, plus they could have skis. So yeah, up, that's up to eleven guys. Not that unit. Nine guys. Composition, NCO plus four men, add up to six additional soldiers. Uh, I think there's a, a, a typo. That's got to okay. be a typo. I've got the printed so book that says four additional soldiers. I got the same thing. All right, so nine. Um, I don't think I'd have more than five guys in a unit, to be honest. Interesting. It's so expensive otherwise. Yeah, but as we're getting into this, you'll see why I don't think it's a problem. Well, I mean, they're um, uh, small. If you lose one unit, it's not a huge deal. Um, and they're still, so they're small, they're easier to fit into smaller spaces, but they're effective enough, in my opinion, with Fnatic and submachine guns that they can cause quite a bit of havoc at just the five-point cost. Or, you know, 115, if you go too many more, that's that's just so expensive. See, the thing I think about them, though, Dale, is that I'm, I'm thinking, like, scenario play in a lot of circumstances. You're, like, you need to be in your enemy's deployment zone, or you need to capture this, or you need to do a lot of things like that, where I think these guys shine in that particular role. So I might bring them bigger just because you can bring them right into your enemy's deployment zone. And, you know, five guys, yeah, they're going to still be tough to move, but I think you could definitely... 
get more out of them personally. Five, I think you five could. guys with SMGs at ten shots. That's pretty freaking good. That's, that's gonna do baller. something. That's uh, gonna do something. Sure. So is so is eighteen shots. <laughs> yeah, but the eighteen <laughs> well, shots. Doing the math, I tell you. It's, it's I, I know. Two hundred seven. That's a two hundred seven points, which is a premium. Yep. For it's a lot of points to have in one place, and in my opinion, um, a good player um, will have a more difficult time dealing with two small units than they would with one big unit, in my opinion. Plus, the two smaller units, there's quite a bit more tactical flexibility. Just, I, I, I mean, I'm not I think really we can sure, go. But. I think we can go in a lot of different directions with this because. Um, I've played around with fins, and I've played around with the idea of playing them. I have two nine-man units of these guys because they're that good. Okay. <laughs> I All think right. I'm like, yeah, you can have two small units. I could bring two big units and be okay with it. They're pretty – they're going to be in your face. The, the, the beauty of them is, is that they're outflanking, so, again, they're not going to take a lot of casualties coming in early. You might be right that five-man is enough. I think – I don't know. Just nine-man seems at, – At Fnatic, they're doing pretty good. Um, they don't. I don't think they have an LMG option. Is that correct? Correct. They don't. So that's that's a downside for having such a small unit. So no, 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 no. I no. think yeah. I wouldn't want an LMG on this. No, unit. you're losing too many shots from other guys then. That's a waste. Okay. Don't don't put an LMG on an outflanking unit like that, man. No. Yeah, they're not going to be able to sit there and shoot the whole game. Yeah, the SMG is a perfect loadout for these guys in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. I would I would agree with that. Yeah, fanatics, and they get the tough fighter from the SMG. It's nice that you don't have to pay for that. Yep. Um, still, twenty three points per. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I think both. I think you're both right on this one. I think it'd be really solid as two five man units, and it'd be really solid as two nine man units. It's just how much investment you want to put into it. Right. It's. I think it's different play styles. It's you yep. could, you can build this list in a way that would be very. Almost everyone's going to have at least one unit of these guys because they're so damn good. I don't know why you wouldn't take one of them, even if it's a five-man squad. Yeah, they're great. They're great. And, you know, it's, you know, uh, more of something that's great is very great. So I can see that. Greater-er? Sure. So auto-include one five-man unit and season to your liking. I, I would agree. At least... At least that much, in my mind. Yep, I agree. Okay, um, moving right along to other infantry selections. I don't see anything else that's super, exec- super exciting in here, other no, than... No, no. You can't skip over the fact that their anti-tank rifle team can be mounted, equipped with skis and the gun mounted on a Achille sledge. <laughs> Which, what does that, what does the sled get them? It doesn't skis. do anything. Oh, it just gives them skis for their, for their gun. Yes. Well, okay, sorry, we skipped one in Flavor there. text. Yeah. The the one that stands out, so they can't get any inexperience, so no, sorry, you can't have an inexperienced mortar. It doesn't happen. Uh, but there is the sniper team who does have that same special rule, Master of the Hunt. So you can advance, go into ambush, and use your sniper special rules. Right, that was the alluded to, they can hit on twos. Yep, yep. And I, and I think even before, back in BA1, it was alluded to that they could auto-hit somehow. I've heard that thrown around a couple different places, but uh, I don't know. I don't think one's ever hit on anything. I do. I, I don't know if that's a rule. I, well, most I, I think, games have see, that rule. but I think it was, 
I, I think BA did BA one didn't have that, and it was the fact that they could if they were, they were targeting something at short range or close range or something like that. They eventually the one would just hit, and so they just called them auto hitting because they had the plus one. Obviously in BA two that doesn't happen anymore. They don't. They just hit on twos. That's all there is to it. Instead of three threes like a normal sniper team does. So long as they're coming out of ambush to do it. So long as they're taking the sniper shot, which yep. can be taken out of ambush, which they can move and go into. Oh, are they? Uh, no, they're not always plus one. Then they're only plus one coming out of ambush. Coming out, coming out of ambush. Yes. Right. 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 So, yep. Again, worth putting them into ambush. These guys are like ambushing stuff. Well, they can have skis too. I, I think all of them can. Their machine gun can have skis too. <laughs> I think it was well when you're a snowy country, right? Yeah, I, I guess it makes sense. Let's see. Does the mortar get skis? Uh, yeah, imagine northern Minnesota. Actually, yes, the Actually, light mortar does have skis. Northern Canada. And so the so medium mortar doesn't, the heavy mortar doesn't, but the light mortar does have skis, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, their sniper team is 55 points, so they are still paying for the Master of the Hunt roll. Definitely worth five points. That's worth five points in my mind, yeah. Yeah. Being able to move your, being able to move your sniper and still take advantage of the sniper special roll and get the plus one is pretty incredible. Pretty nice. Yeah, just need to make sure that you're really good at um, at setting up and deploying your your snipers so that they've got a wide range of fire, so they can take advantage of that. Yeah, totally. So don't set them up on the 12 inch line where a unit can move up against you and fire all their shots into you. Set back at least six inches so you have the option to move up and put yourself in ambush and deal with that later. Right. It, give, it actually gives you a lot more tex, tec, tactical flexibility too, because yep. you can still move them, which is nice. All right, super. Um, okay, so moving right along, skipping. We, everything gets skis that can get skis, except for the medium and heavy mortar, essentially. So let's move into the artillery. Is there anything stand out in here? I'm not seeing a lot. I mean, other than the access, they, <clears throat> other than that, they have access to both light, medium, and heavy artillery. No. Yeah. Okay. Not everybody gets access to the heavy stuff, though. Okay. Um, so I don't believe they have access to super heavy anti-tank, though. Okay, I'm going to tell it. you a secret here, Pat. You're the only one that does. So do Russians. Oh, yeah. Okay, they're the only two. So there's that. Sorry. Well, they, okay. they weren't fighting Germans. They, well, <laughs> yeah. they oh, were right. fighting Russians, though. They the were. Got Good, pretty point. Freaking heavy. Good point. Yeah, okay. All right, so they basically have the standard loadout. With the heavy options. Yep. All right. Uh, they don't get to add extra men like other armies we've mentioned. They're just stuck at the three, four-man stuff. Uh, I was going to say most armies don't get that that ability. Which one got it? For, was it the French? Germans. Uh, Germans? On the 88. The 88 gets it. There's another one that allows you just to Japanese. add some. The, the Japanese, Japanese get some. Yeah, okay. The daily couple of them do. Yep. It's not common. It's not very common. Okay. Uh, moving right along to the two armored car selections. This It seems really small, but we'll... we'll... Are you going to skip both anti-aircraft guns? Oh, <laughs> no, sorry. They're in the same slot as yes, artillery. Yes, you can skip them. <laughs> Light and heavy. Woohoo, go. All right, moving right along then. Okay, to the BA-10 or the BA-20. Which one do we want to hit first? BA-20. All right, great. Uh, which is a turn-mounted LMG with recce... And unreliable. Stole from Ooh. the Soviets. 
Yeah. Okay. Not exciting. So that means it'd be a comrade. Yeah. Stolen or remanned when the Soviets ran away? Repurposed. Yes. Okay. Again, okay. So the BA-10. It depends on on your political view of things. If they're repurposed, stolen, captured, whatever. Does it matter? Does it? No, not for the unreliable rule. Doesn't. Basically, in case no one's familiar with the unreliable, if you take a pin, you take an extra pin. If you take two pins from a shot, you take three pins from the shot, basically. They're right. unreliable. They don't have access to spare parts, so they, you know, things malfunction a little worse than they would otherwise, which is what the whole unreliable thing is. Yeah, fun fact, though. A lot of, a lot of uh, in the French book, partisans can have rules for taking other, other armies' tanks and using them, but we'll, and they have the unreliable rule then. But what you're going to see here, if you look carefully, is these can be taken as veteran. Oh, yeah. That's... That's not as common. You're right. Uh, that's very uncommon. Which yeah, that, means you're right. If a weapon hits them that can't actually hurt them, and they're veteran, they don't take the double pin. Right. They don't take any pin. Right. Lucky sons of guns. It's yeah, really good. Okay. Great point. And actually, their veteran, their veteran upgrade is actually not that expensive. Well, it's because the unreliable roll right. is heavily unpointed. Right. That, can you unpoint something? Is that a thing? Sounds right. Uh, negative point, modifier, point redu- sure. Point reduction. Yeah, however you want to say it. Cost reduction, yes. Yeah. All right, well, there were the two armored cars. Obviously, you don't see a lot of Finnish players with armored cars. Actually, I think Eric plays the armored card. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yep, I think he plays with the, the, BA, the BA-10, the BA actually. He plays with the 10. Yep. Yep. He did that quite effectively against me, too, for that matter. Just saying. Anyway. Oh, it's continue. a light anti-tank gun, I suppose. I could see taking that. Yeah, it's That's pretty standard on armored cars that aren't a Puma. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a Puma. <laughs> or, a, or a motorcycle-mounted medium machine gun. Right. Those are my two uh, armored car selections that I typically take. Yeah. All right. So moving right along, do we want to go tanks? Let's go tanks. Or do we want uh, let's go transports and stuff first, if there's anything in there we're talking about. What, you mean the truck or the truck? Or the other truck. No, there's just trucks. And then there's a... Uh, artillery tractor. Com, com sluts. Com sluts. <laughs> Everybody has the artillery tractor, and I think the transport, like everyone else, has the medium machine gun upgrade, and I, I'm not seeing... Oh, yes, yeah, the... the yeah, com sluts is good as anything, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it's a tractor. It has an LMG attached. It's... The D20 com sluts. It's also unreliable. It's open topped. Need we say more? Probably not. Very likely that you're going to take it unless you need to drag uh, a bigger thingy mover. It could transport up to six six folks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But if you're towing, you can't. If it's towing, you can't transport anything. Right. Thirty-five points for an LMG. Yeah. Yeah, you take again. I this is like one the of those benches on it. I mean, that's kind this of is one of those circumstances where you still take uh, the veteran just because it's a seven-up armor. You open keep topped is the only thing. I mean, yeah, but you can keep the pins off if you not not upgrade. With open top. You can yeah, it's open. Oh, top. it's right. You can't. Never mind. Take it as regular. Thirty-five points. There you go. This is what you take because you like the model. <laughs> it is a cool-looking model, actually. Mm-hmm. I will say, I it's pretty interesting. 
The dudes are kind of riding high, though, I'm going to say. They've they got this armored it's, cab, and then there's just dudes sitting on top of it, essentially. That's why they can all end up being tough fighters, is because they have to ride around <laughs> on these things out in the open. Is that is that a German-captured transport, or is that a Russian? Which uh, one is that? Very Russian. Very yeah, I was going to say, that that, that looks Russian. With the, K, with the Ks and the Os, I suppose it is very Russian. Well, and here, here guys, get on this thing that is going to attract fire, uh, but we're not going to give you any armor to speak of. So just sit up here. Hold here, tight while we move hold it, you. Hold this tree. It'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> Seems like a very Russian thing to do. Other than that, it doesn't carry like 30 dudes. I just checked the horse-drawn limber. Can be inexperienced. Oh, there's the one thing. The horse-drawn limber? Yes. <laughs> you can have a horse that hasn't been at war yet that you want to bring out to tow some artillery. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about that sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. I think you pay the four points and get it. Well, or pay the two points to get it to regular or veteran. Well, no, but you know what? It, that that horse-drawn limber can outflank without the minus one. So, I don't know. And it can, you know, when half its crew is gone, can be upgraded to regular. That's a pretty pretty determined horse, I guess. I, I got nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I guess I'm not super excited about that. All right, well there's there's your toes and transport options. It's a very small book. It's a piece of one book, I suppose. That so makes it. It's, I, it's I really f- thought you were gonna say those your toes and cons on that one. Yeah. What? No one got that. I yeah, I, I missed it. It's more of a pamphlet. <laughs> sure. Than a book. Yeah. Than a book. All right. Okay, so let's move right along into their. You know, their largest selection, which is their tanks, actually, shockingly enough. It's... Let's sum this up really quick. Would you like the good Russian tanks, or would you like the good German one? Because that's they get that. Most of which are unreliable. Blech. Meh. I love this BT-42. If it was medium, I would love this BT-42. It is. Oh, what I'm looking it's at says so it's light. medium. It's if, is it not? It's a medium howitzer, but it's a light tank. Yeah, so it's an 8-up tank with a medium howitzer. It's not... For 140 points, I would take this all day long. It looks really cool too. It's pretty well pointed. I will. I will say actually, for what it is. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's not unreliable. It's pretty solid. Medium howitzer. Well, I mean, they have a they have a stug, stug. Yeah, but it's the stug, so it's the anti tank stug. It's not the stub with the medium howitzer in it. The stug three strumy. Strumy. I'm I'm kind of okay with that. I don't know. I guess as far as like what I see, what I see these guys struggling with the most is not necessarily infantry. It's mostly like armor. Dealing with armor might be a challenge. Oh, yeah, the Sturmy isn't too bad actually. Two hundred thirty points for a heavy anti tank gun. Well, yeah. you also you also forgot to mention that's the fact decent. that they do actually have Panzerfaust or uh, Panzerschreck teams. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about the anti tank. points, they, they do have they do have a two man Panzerschreck team. Exact same stats as the Germans. Yep. Okay. Uh, they can have skis. The Germans don't get skis. My bad. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Germans didn't know how to ski. I guess snowshoes, maybe. I don't know. I think they well, know how to ski. They have mountains there. If you invest in the infantry, which I think you're going to have to, because that's where that's where the the good value on the list is, um, you may not have a lot a lot left over for your vehicle, um, which makes the the BT-42 a better choice, especially if you've got, you know, the Panzerfausts and, and things like that yeah. sitting around. Well, you don't have, some of your units might not be on the table to start. 
There's there's things about it, yeah. I think it's solid, but I don't know. I might I might go back over to that T28 post Tijuana, whatever they want to call it, medium tank. Did they because fight in? Uh... That's oh, it's in the finished book. It's 130 points. You get the turret mounted light howitzer, the turret mounted MMG in the front le- front and left, the turret mounted MMG in the front and right, the Pinto mounted AA MMG in a light tank chassis. It's a lot of shooting. It is a lot of shooting, actually. It's the one Jesse has. One of the ones Jesse well, has. Well, Jesse has all of them. I think he has the entire tank platoon that the Soviets had during the war. Yeah. That's, um, that's a beast in a game that's infantry-focused, though. Yeah, this no, is actually is. good. You're right. For, for Comparative to what you just explained, Dale, this one does it, the same thing better, other than that it's unreliable, which... Two MMGs yeah. and a howitzer, a light howitzer out the front. Well, it has a third, and it has a third MMG on top. Well, co- coaxial. Well, pintle. There's, if yeah. you want to be open-topped, yes. You, yep. you have to be open-topped to use it, well, unless you're shooting it in your craft, whatever. Is, that, is that veteran-only selection, or is that... Regular or veteran. Regular at 130. Regular or veteran, okay. Yep. So I, I know they armor. have some of them that are only veteran selection for their tanks. Yeah, yeah that would be the T-3485 and the T-34. Yeah, that's a good call, Jeff. I think this one, it definitely is competitive at, at, at for a choice. Yeah. Definitely worth looking at. With the BT-42, because the BT-42 is limited that its only weapon is that medium howitzer. Yeah. Whereas this, the T-28 over here has quite a few extra guns to throw down some pins here and there. I can attest that only having one weapon is not a great thing on a tank. Yeah, my, my Samoa runs into that problem sometimes. Well, it depends upon what that one weapon is. I think you'll always be able to find a use for a howitzer. Well, yeah, it's just, you know, then you're one throwing one dice as opposed to, what, 10, 15, 16 Yeah, possibly? fair points, fair point. Well, you, that miss is much bigger. And the medium howitzer isn't going to do crap against armor. It's only plus three. Well, a light howitzer and MMGs aren't going to do crap against armor you don't, either. You don't shoot those at, at other tanks. You shoot those yeah. at right. infantry. But that, right. that's where your dual purpose with your light anti-tank and coaxial MMGs tanks just, really kind of come through. If you're seeing through. armor, just roll the Panzerfausts up. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't that's, bother, I mean... Don't bother taking a tank to shoot don't give, don't give me the easy solutions. I don't want those. <laughs> I want to work for it. Come hey, man, on. if I could take Panzerfausts in my French army, I would always take Panzerfausts. If I didn't always. have a choice of just a Piat, I would definitely take something realistic that could do something to armor. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. yeah, this is... Yeah, I can definitely see this one making making the list as well. Well, see, the thing is, so, like, say say someone takes a BT-42, right? You get one shot. Medium is always good. But the guy's, if he can, he's going to go down, whatever. You get the one shot. You're doing damage and pins to one unit. At T-28, you're like, I'm going to put the light howitzer on you, and you can have one of the, this other squad can have a medium MMG, and this other squad can have the other medium MMG. And if I'm feeling frisky and on the last order dice, I'll stick my head out the top with a pintle and put pinnets on a fourth unit. As long as it's late enough in the round, yeah. Yeah. Or late enough in the turn. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes things like that really good in that's this v- game. That's very Stuart M3 thinking. Yes. Well, the only thing is, is it, it becomes it becomes the thing that draws all the fire because of the plus one unreliable. So it doesn't matter how many... Well, I mean... Whatever, whatever you have that can just, put pins on it, it's still, it's still eight plus... Right, but you take that extra pin every single time, which means your MMGs are going to be hitting on sevens all the time. 
Only well, if, well, only if they can actually damage you at, at eight right. Plus. Well, yes. yeah, but whatever's on the other side of the table that can fire it is going. That's what it's going to be shooting at because there isn't everything else is just going to be infantry. Let's, it has to, it has to be a heavy weapon though to actually put pins on it. Let, it has to say, let's damage it. Let's put it this way: you roll a tank on the table. Someone has something that deals with armor. They're going to shoot it at the tank anyway. Yep. They're not. It's not going to change their decision. Oh, this one's unreliable. I'm going to shoot at it because it's unreliable. It's still a freaking tank. They're still going to shoot it. Right, but because it's unreliable, it it takes that extra pin, which makes even with the additional shots you're firing, it makes it. It, it just, you know, yeah, you can roll your 15 dice, but you're hitting on sevens. And yep. it's yeah, it's just something to consider. I don't think it's a bad choice. I, I don't at all, actually. I, I, I like it a lot. It's just that, you know, I think the unreliable rule can have a, a more significant bearing on what happens than we might might be leading on. So Well, and I would agree with you in, in that respect, but they're also point-costing it accordingly. Right? 130 points for a tank that has yeah. th- three MMGs and a... You know, and actually, it's true. If, if you lose it, I mean, chances are if they're shooting their tank stuff at it, it's going to die. So, yeah. you know, the unreliable may not be that big of a deal. And if you lose it, it's just 130 points. So, yeah, yep. I'm, yeah, I like this one. I like not it. a super heavy investment as far as that goes. you guys have convinced me, especially if it's a sweet model. It, it, it looks pretty cool. All right. I like it. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I think you've converted me to thinking this one is the one to go with. I... When I was playing around with it, I was actually going sans any armor. Seeing how that... I've seen enough people in competitive play now just not taking any armor and seeing how well it can perform, especially when these guys are very much a very infantry-heavy or infantry-rule-heavy army. But well, the game is, is infantry-heavy, and so... True, your but these guys are like the elite. With that too. Right, yeah. Well, they yeah. are. Yeah, and they are. Yeah. Kind of sad they don't have an assault squad, but that's just... Oh, they're all assault squads. What the hell am I kidding myself? Yeah, Jesus, no. what would you give them more if you make them an assault squad than they have? A flamethrower? Yeah, but who who actually gets access to flamethrowers? Really? They got a flamethrower team. No, I mean inside a unit. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? That's just give them a dumb. tactical nuke while you're at it. Yeah. Sure. It's, that's super late war, though. Super late war. Uh, end of war, I think it sure. was. <laughs> I think they fought for another day or two. Until the second one dropped, and they're like, Never mind. This is a yeah. bad idea. Let's not do that. Yeah, pretty much. Try and fit that into a squad, though. Better be an airstrike, I'm guessing. I think it had to have been. I think it was. Anyway. <laughs> not to make jokes or light of the fact that there were nuclear bombs dropped. That that's pretty horrific, but it ended the war. It did. Yep. Actually, fun fact: my sister just recently, with her family, visited. Um, was the second one that they they dropped it on? Actually, visited the site and actually like saw all the different stuff. And it was very cool. She said it was it was very interesting and very religious how the community was about that. So I thought that was really kind of cool to for her to do that. Yeah. Uh. I'll, I'll give you my fun fact about the, the nuclear, the, the dropping of the bombs. Is that, well, no, my, my great, my great uncle uh, was one of two squad or one of two uh, pilots that was told they were going to have a mission that day and they scrubbed him 
and it turns out the other the other ones were the ones that dropped the bombs. Well, that is cool. I'm yeah, sure. it was pretty crazy when he told me that. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I could have dropped the nukes, in, or I could have dropped the bombs, and I didn't have to, which I think he was very grateful for. Yeah, yeah. literally no one wants to be that guy. No, I, I don't think, well, I mean, you don't know if you're coming back from it. You have no idea if you're going to be able to get out of the blast zone. Like, it's right. pretty scary in general, but yeah, he uh, he was he was very thankful that he did not have to do that, or just have that kind of moral weight, on, or like that. And down the road gave us Rick, so hey, good job. Oh, he's my uncle, so. Oh, never mind then. And yeah, down the road gave us Rick. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he he drew the family tree for our entire family, and I didn't see a dotted line over there, so I'm pretty sure he was very uh, he was very he made a very large family tree. So he, he did that for your account. Yeah, you're right. He may have wanted to not make me like question well, my entire reality. Yeah. yeah. So, um, backing out of this now, so too deep in. Good luck. Got to yeah. pull out at some point. So. Um, Oh, geez. Let's pull back here and, and talk just a little bit about why Finland's just overall so good and so competitive. And if I were going to put it in a nutshell, I'd say it's they have access to everything that's good in this game, and they don't have, they're not saddled with taking anything that sucks. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it is they're, they're you're right, they don't have any tax that they have to pay. They don't have selectors that force them for inexperienced troops and stuff like that. Well, and, and anyone can take veteran, or almost anyone can take veteran squads, but these guys, when you take the veteran squads, it actually means something because they have other special rules that come with it. Right. Like everything, everything is, again, this is where I was saying before, is like the synergy is there very much obvious. It's like very obvious synergy in my mind, like the master of the hunt and the plus one out of ambush and the, the, the no... No modifiers to yeah, outflank don't, it. Don't run a don't run a Finland team without a sniper for Christ's sake. No, yeah, and you're going to always take a sniper. Yeah, all of yeah. the all of the things they they build to a really good bolt action list, right? And then they they really shine, and they're like Jeff said to, to their strengths, they shine to it, and they don't have to pay the weaknesses some of the other armies have to pay. Sure, good good sum up, Jeff. I like it. Thanks. Well, and I think all of you the units too. you want, all yeah, all the units you want, all the special rules affect. Yes. If, a, only, if only they got a free sniper, I think they'd be right there. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, no, I can say without a doubt, I think they're okay just as they are, given given. Uh, I don't know. Maybe their special rules could be a little. I don't. I don't know if there could be more to their special rules that make them better, but I think they're still pretty good as as a whole. Can you think of anything historically that would make a difference, Jeff? That would something that was left out that would kind of put them over the top, so to speak, as though they don't need to be. Um, Sorry. No, 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 no. The thing, the only thing I can think of, honestly, that would well and truly put them way over the top that would also be, you know, fairly historical is is if you know the weather rules came into play and they were simply immune to them, like the winter weather rules, frostbite. Sure heavy snows the problem is is everybody can have skis in this army but you almost never see a board where it's like hey we're fighting over snow now unless you have skis your movement's hampered yeah i thought about that briefly only while i was trying to play a, a finnish army myself so mm-hmm. so i think know, all of us at one point or another have looked at the list and been like oh they look really good maybe we should play them yes yeah these guys are like you're you're all stars for bolt action frankly and if they had to play a winter board, they'd be 
not even a question. Yeah, you dust off and nuke the site from orbit at that point. Forget yeah, how yep. many how many people play with skis? Actually, you I, know what? I, I think I at the last uh, the last um, game day we had back at Fantasy Flight, there was one Finnish player who actually did have his models his models set up with skis. Whether he paid the cost for them, I don't know, but uh, he had he did the model and he skis. Did, I played okay, it. there you go. See. Yep. Okay. So someone well, does. Yeah, I was gonna say if you. Have but there a was there wasn't skis. a board between the desert and the <laughs> other than the hills and the you know there wasn't a board that had snow on it. So you know, I did try oh. to tell him that skis are almost as effective in the sand, but I don't think he believed me. I, I would. <laughs> they're, I would kind of concur. Tough to snow plow in sand, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty similar. The, the biggest thing is that they're wearing their giant fur coats, and they might just die of heat exhaustion before they could do anything <laughs> with their skis. Yeah. yeah. There's that. Yeah, that that might be a bigger problem than the actual skis. Now, if they're skiing down the the, the dunes in their underwear, they might be okay. Are we going to have a snowboard at Operation Snafu? No, no spoilers. Maybe we'll have a snowboard in case you're thinking about <laughs> bringing your skis. Well, sure. Well, now, Backdale. There will probably be snow on the ground. Yeah, that too. Mike is <laughs> making a snowboard. Mike's making a snowboard so we can rotate it in if I felt frisky. So it's Ooh. a possibility. Ooh. I don't... I was going to say, do we even have... I'm, I'm now going to go look to see if we even have a Finnish player registered yet. Well, do not discount the possibility because, you know, there's there's Michaels that always uh, sells those big pine trees. Of your, every, <laughs> year, every year you can get, like, 30 pine trees for, like, $5 or whatever it is. Oh. And I, I, I've picked them up three years running, and so I've got a crap ton of them. Don't sell it out for me doing snowboard yep. at some point. And I've been really working on my gingerbread houses and cane canes. Oh, God, don't go there. <laughs> I'm I'm just quietly shaking my head at this point at you, Jeff. I, I can, I can hey, hear you, you know shaking me, your I'd head. I'd be much more yeah. in season. It'd be mashed potato hills and turkey gravy. and <laughs> drums We need a Thanksgiving eyes. Day board. We do. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, boy. A river a drum, of gravy. A drumstick uh, monument you're fighting over in the center. Turkey mountain. Pumpkin mounds. <laughs> oh, those, a couple those, pumpkin patches. And, just oh, yeah. the mashed potato hills would be disgusting, though. Just like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going on the hills because my models are going to get all gross and greasy. There's, we could there do are, a, we could do oh, crap, a, a British versus or, uh... a Punjabi force. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so there are two registered Finland players at this there point. You Bring your uh, skis. One of them's Eric, right? One of them's Eric, and the other one is Matt or Anderson, who are both uh, auto breakers. Both auto breakers. Yep. We'll see if we can't um, convince him yep. to bring skis. <laughs> and then not put a snowboarder out there. Just <laughs> <That's what I'm> <laughs> let's let's fish him out of twenty points. <laughs> just just to make sure. Well, they might need the tw- they might need to find points anyway to put twelve fifty. They might be like, I don't want to pay more models. Well, yeah, Give everyone those, skis. Those darn veteran options, you know. Yeah, no, you gotta put yeah. like thirty models on the board at twelve fifty. Good grief. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's it's very reasonable. Dale, do you ever come back with the pronunciation for that uh, long range uh, scout recon team? Yeah, I, I posted it. I posted it in the chat. Hang on, let me play it again real quick, and I'll repeat it for you. Um, Calcopartio. That's as close as I would have gotten. That's, that's that's nice great. Nice job. Yep. All right. Here, so they're, they're the aces in the hole. In your hole. Well, it's getting late, isn't it? Yeah, because they'll 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 take you to town. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are awesome. 
Okay. So well, yeah, Finland's awesome. They they seem pretty good to me. I I like them a lot. I have Americans on the on the docket once I get past all this terrain. They're doing very well on the worldwide circuit. They're finishing top five, oh. sometimes top overall. So yeah. Now do not, we? They're do not we, to be uh, ignored. Do we know if that's at a certain points level? Like, do they drop off as? The rest of the armies can start bringing the heavier howitzers and things like that to deal with these small elite forces. Because I'm thinking at 1250, they might be brought back down. Kind of. Well, no, it's I don't it's think the so. Calcapartio that coming in, coming yep. in off the, your edge. That you get multiple units of yeah. those at 1250. I think they actually get better with the more points you play. Was that up Cal-Cadio? to a certain point. What was that? Calpatio. Calcapartio. That's close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think. Uh, up the, to a certain point. I think the downer podcast I heard was, uh, which I think was a, a Cambridge Too Far was their podcast, and they had uh, Finland Army Finland Army finish first and third. And I think their tournament, which was ninety some people or right around there, was a hundred was twelve fifty or like right around what okay. we were playing at. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I I would imagine they don't care about single or double platoons. And Cambridge too uh, far is actually they a also by the way. Yes, it is, and they also they also do um, armored platoons in there as well. So, ooh, interesting. Yeah, they they allow all the all the craziness. Like, here's the book, play it, and come play with us. So, yeah, it's an intriguing intriguing thought for future. I don't know how that works, but I don't know. I think they're. They're probably they're one of my top tier. I think arguably maybe number one in my as far as uh, power level. But who's got a dog shaking in the background? Not me, surprisingly. Wow. That would be me. Oh, okay. Some somebody's looking to go outside. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I think we don't have anything else to cover at this point. So we can wrap it. Uh, I don't know if we have anything else to cover about Renegade other than uh, thank you, Puck, for stopping in earlier in this episode. Uh, We appreciated chatting with you. We look forward to probably chatting more with you in the the coming months. Uh, Again, if you haven't signed up on the waiting list, we have two on the waiting list now, so it's becoming less and less likely that you'll make it it into the tournament because we're not expanding past 24. Uh, But get your name on the list anyway, just in case. Never know. Some crazy turkey flu could go around a week or a week before Mm. a week before uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's a good time to make your travel plans. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, Jeff, you're gonna lead us out. Do what now? Every time. He's the running joke. All right, Snafu over and out. Yeah, that's who he's looking for. This is Snafu over and out. Later, guys. Later. Have a good night. Finlandia, Finlandia, sinne taas matkalla oli ivana. Kun molotoffi lupasi, on kaikki haroshi. Huomenna jo Helsingissä syödään maroshi. Anjet molotov, anjet molotov, valehtelit enemmän kuin itse popprikov. Finlandia, Finlandia, my
Mannerheimillin jalko oli vastus ankaran, kun Karjalassa alkoi hirmutulitus. Loppui monen Iivanan puhepulitus. Niet molotov, niet molotov, valehtelin enemmän kuin itse Bobrikov. Sitä pelkää voittamaton puna-armeija. Ja Molotovkin sanoi, että katso Tjorpas mii. Tjuhna aikoo käydä meitä kraivelistakin. Ai niet Molotov, niet Molotov. Valehtelit enemmän kuin itse Bobrikov. Stalinit ja muutkin huijarit, politrukit, komissaarit ja Petruskoijarit. Niet Molotov, niet Molotov, valehtelit enemmän kuin itse Bobrikov.